Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and living Savior, Jesus Christ. Dear sisters and brothers in Jesus, the house was on fire. Most of the family was able to get out going out the front door on the lower level, but one of the boys in the family was still up in his bedroom and the hallway was on fire and he couldn't get down the stairs. So he had to go out the window and onto the roof of the porch. And the smoke was coming out the window and he heard the voice below saying, jump, just jump. But he said, I can't see. And his father down on the ground below says, I'll catch you. And you can just imagine the thought of jumping off that roof and trusting his father. But eventually things got so hot and so bad, the boy decided to leave. And you can just envision the terror that was in this child as he was falling, 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 until all of a sudden something broke his fall, but not his body. His father had come through. In life, aren't there all kinds of people to whom we look and trust that they will come through? When, for example, you're having a surgery and you're put under, aren't you trusting that the surgeon, the anesthetist or anesthesiologist, the nurses, the technicians, and so on are going to come through for you? When it comes to the, the, the resources with which God blesses you and you want to invest, you want to save some, don't you trust that the bankers or the investment brokers will come through? How about the mechanics to whom you take your vehicles? Or what about the schools and the teachers to whom you send your children? Don't we all trust that they will come through and they will succeed in the ways that we need them and want them to? Today, as we think about our gospel reading from Luke chapter 7, verses 1 to 10, we think about how Jesus comes through. And we see this as he comes through with his mercy, for example, shown to a Roman centurion, and as he comes through with his miracle done on a sick servant. And so that's what we're going to think about today. Jesus comes through. Now, in this account, there are just some amazing things that happen. You know the tension between the, the Jews and the Gentiles, the Gentiles, of course, being non-Jews, and the Jews looking on the Gentiles quite often with disdain and considering them to be unclean, they're pagan. And then in the case of this Roman centurion, who's a Gentile, he not only is uh, a Gentile, but he's also a part of what we might call the occupying army. He's part of the Roman Empire. And many of the Jews just detested the, the, the Romans. You can just think about how, for example, in, in places in the Middle East, there are people who uh, just really uh, detest the fact that the United States Army and armed forces are in these places. But as these Jews look upon this Roman centurion, they look upon him differently than they looked upon many Gentiles. Because this was a man, as Luke described, who loved and respected the Jewish people. We're told that he even built a synagogue in Capernaum, probably at no small cost. And then the man shows him to be a man of, of, of great character as he is so concerned about the sickness 
and the life of his own servant. And so amazingly, the Jewish elders go and seek out Jesus. Now, even that in and of itself is pretty amazing because many of the elders didn't like Jesus. And then you have the fact that they're going in behalf of a Gentile, but they go to Jesus and they say that this man deserves to have you do this, that is to heal the sick servant. Now, in the eyes and, and from the perspective of the Jewish leaders, we would say this is definitely true. And I think we understand when there are people who bring all kinds of good and all kinds of blessing to those around them, to their community and so on, we want what's good for them because we feel, well, humanly speaking, they deserve it. And that was the case when it came to the Roman centurion in the eyes of these Jewish leaders, but not in the eyes of God. Remember how... In God's eyes, he wants, he wants perfection from us. He wants holiness in our lives. And when we give him anything less, we're falling short of his glory. When, for example, we, we start to think that in some way or another, God is failing us or isn't fair to us. When we look at the good things God does for us and, and, and we look at those things maybe with uh, disdain. When we allow the misuse of God's name or feelings of hurt or hatred towards others to, to creep into to our thoughts and our lives. This perfection means, you know, no lies, no loss, no lack of love in any way. And like I said, if, if we fail in any way, we fall short of that glory that God promises to reward perfection with. And we show ourselves to be deserving of the wages of sin, which is death, spiritual and physical and eternal. And even though this centurion then was, was deserving in the eyes of his fellow man, in the eyes of God, he fell short of that glory. And it's amazing again how this centurion realized that. I don't know if you caught in the, the reading of the account that the centurion wouldn't even go out to meet Jesus because he felt unworthy. And then a little bit later, he didn't want Jesus to come into his house because he felt that he was unclean. And it wasn't just because this man was a Gentile and he realized that Jesus was a Jew. It was a, a, a realization that he was a sinful human being who was beckoning onto the very sinless Son of God. And so you see this humble acknowledgement of his sin. And yet, amazingly, Jesus has mercy. And that's, that's the way he dealt with people. Think about, for example, Levi, the tax collector, who became Matthew, the disciple. Think about the woman at Jacob's well in John chapter 4 who had been married to a number of different men and now she was living with the man outside of marriage. Think of Zacchaeus, the tax collector, whom Jesus welcomed and forgave. Jesus shows mercy to people, and he showed mercy to this centurion because Jesus had come to be his substitute, to provide this perfection that that centurion did not have, to be a ransom for many, so many that he would die on the cross to pay for the sins of all people, including the centurion and you and me. And as a result of that, Jesus rose from the dead, and with that resurrection, God the Father was saying to his son, son, job well done, but at the same time, he was saying to the world, you are innocent, you are forgiven in my sight. 
But there's still that matter that this forgiveness, this innocence is not ours unless there is that saving faith in our hearts. And again, we see the amazing mercy of God as Jesus, together with the Holy Spirit, brings people to saving faith through the gospel, whether it's in baptism or whether it's through the word that we hear. And by grace, somewhere along the line, this centurion came to know of the God of the Old Testament, the God who was one, yet Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He came to know of the Messiah who was to come, and that in him there would be the forgiveness of sins and life everlasting. And somewhere, somehow, he came to know Jesus was that Messiah. And he trusted in him, and he trusted that, that Jesus could heal his, his sick servant. And so Jesus didn't treat this man as his sins deserved. Even from afar, Jesus could know the faith that was in this man's heart, and he had mercy on him. And Jesus has had that same mercy upon us. Certainly, we don't deserve anything good from God. And yet the same Jesus who came to save that centurion came to save you and me with his perfect life, with his death on the cross. And as a result, God forgives you and me. God looks at you and me as being innocent and perfect in his sight. God has given us that saving faith through which we have this forgiveness, this innocence. Through our faith that God has given to us, we have eternal life and can look forward to even the resurrection of the dead. And therefore, it's important like that, like that little boy jumping off the roof, that we jump into those loving arms of Jesus. Because in him, there is the full and free forgiveness of sins. In him, there is eternal life. In him, there is the power to, to help us in every way that we need him to. For Jesus comes through. And we see how he did that for the Roman centurion in showing him mercy. But we also see how Jesus comes through in the miracle he did when it came to this sick servant. Now, Jesus hears about the, the sickness of the servant, and so he's going to the centurion's house. But as I mentioned before, the centurion doesn't want Jesus to come to his house because he feels that he that is the centurion is unworthy. And so he goes out to meet Jesus. And he tells Jesus, you know, all you have to do is to say the word. Because you have the power, you have the authority. And I understand authority because I tell people to go and they go. And I tell people they come and they come. Remember, a centurion who is, is, is one who is the commander of a hundred soldiers in the Roman army. So he knew command. He knew authority. He knew obedience. And he trusted that all Jesus had to do was to say the word... And that word had the power to bring that healing that that centurion uh, had, had desired and was requesting. We're told that it happened. By the power of Almighty God in the person of Jesus, that centurion's servant became well again. Because by the time the, the, the leaders who had come out to, to request that Jesus show mercy to this man, God to his house, they found that the servant was well again. And it just shows that there is no, no problem that is bigger than Jesus. He is almighty. He is the all-powerful Son of God, and there isn't anything he cannot do. 
And that's important for us to remember as we go through life because we too experience all kinds of trials and troubles in life. And on one hand, these come into our lives because we live in a sinful world and we ourselves are affected by sin. But on the other hand, the Lord in, in many cases allows these things because perhaps he wants us to, to sit up and take note of something that maybe isn't right in our lives. He's, he's literally saving us from ourselves and bringing us to our knees and to, to, to see our sinfulness and maybe the error of our ways and to repent. Sometimes he's helping to grow patience and perseverance and, and other characteristics as he puts the, the troubles and the trials that we're going through together with the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit as that Word is brought to us, maybe by pastors and others in our lives or as we pick up the Bible and read it. Sometimes the Lord is taking us to, to people that we wouldn't otherwise see, as often happens when people find themselves in the hospital. And they have the wonderful opportunity to witness to doctors, to nurses, to other patients who are there about their faith in the Lord and their trust that even if God decides to take them into eternity, they know this eternal life is theirs. But through it all, Jesus is always there with us. He's always there to get us through, to accomplish the, the good that he wants to do, and then to deliver us, to show his glory. The problem is, though, isn't it, that in many cases, if we can't see we have a hard time trusting. African impala is an amazing animal. It can jump vertically over 10 feet. It can, it can jump over a space that is 30 feet in width. But do you know that when it's in a zoo, all they need is a three-foot enclosure to keep it in the space where it's supposed to stay? Because an impala will not jump where it cannot see where its footprints will go. And all it takes is a three-foot enclosure. And similarly, isn't that what happens to us in many cases? The Lord says, trust me. And yet, because we cannot see him, because we cannot see what he's working, a lot of times we won't make that leap. We won't take that jump into his loving arms. Remember the love of Jesus. Remember, that's the love that moved the Son of God to leave the glory of heaven and come to the humility of earth to be your substitute and my substitute, to walk in our shoes, to obey the law of God, to suffer so many things in his earthly life, including death itself on the cross of Calvary to atone for our sins, and that because he loves us. Remember that perfect, that unfailing love that he has for you. Remember some of those very simple things that he says to you. For example, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Think of how he invites you to go to your heavenly father in prayer and to pray with trust in Jesus that your father will hear you and answer you. Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Be like that centurion who even though he didn't see, trusted that Jesus had the power and the authority to do those things that the centurion needed him to do. And he trusted that just by his authority and power as almighty God that it would happen. Be the little boy 
who jumps off the roof, but you're jumping into the arms, the loving arms of Jesus, and trust that Jesus comes through, because he does. And the peace of God that passes understanding will keep your hearts and minds through faith in Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.